Chapter 63 The Drupad Viceroyalty was conducted just as Georgina had been promised. In the light of chandeliers and flashbulbs, beneath the glitter of diamond tiaras and shimmering gold braid, and to the tune of bagpipes of the Royal Scots Fusiliers. The last representatives of His Majesty the King Emperor were not lacking in company. 913 servants in cummerbunds and scarlet livery attended to their individual needs, from perfumed bath water to choice chicken breasts for their dogs, 500 horsemen guarded their corporeal persons, 368 gardeners trimmed and watered their manicured lawns, assisted by 50 youths whose sole job was to run about scaring away the crows. On the first day in his new palace, Drupad, in silk sash and gold aguilettes, his beribboned breast awash with medals and orders he had not had to fire a shot in order to obtain, ambulated in stately fashion down miles of red carpeted corridor, his satin-gowned consort on his arm to be sworn in as viceroy in a ceremony only marginally less elaborate than a coronation. Within hours, he embarked with Indian leaders on the negotiations whose breathtaking pace was to characterize his incandescently brief tenure. Five minutes? protested a bewildered Tritharashtra, his stick tripping over the threshold as he was ushered out of his first meeting with the new viceroy. Is that all he's prepared to listen? That's about as far his attention span seems to stretch, confirmed Muhammad Rafi, Gangaji's latest choice as president of the Kaurava party. Something tells me we are not going to have an easy time with this man, or indeed much time at all. I have no intention of giving them room to argue, the new viceroy explained to his vicerine in the relative privacy of her capacious dressing room while she divested herself gradually of several lakhs of rupees worth of antique jewellery. He had himself earlier been meticulously undressed from epaulette to silver boot buckle by a winsome aide-de-camp. In the course of a meteoric cavalry career, Drupad had become, in the American phrase, somewhat ACDC, a proclivity reflected in his uh, choice of ADCs and in his indulgence of his wife's extracurricular romps. There's one mistake my predecessors made, to talk endlessly with these Indian politicians in the hope of arriving at some sort of conclusion. Absolutely hopeless business, of course. But if you don't talk to them, how will you ever solve the problem? asked Lady Drupad, tilting her head to remove a heavy earring. Oh, I'll talk to them all right her husband responded airily, but I won't listen to them. All I want to hear from you lot, I'll tell them, is a yes or a no. We have had enough reconciling different plans for the transfer of power with both groups haggling over each clause. But what if you can't get the different sides to agree? Not important, Lord Drupad shrugged. We'll try and charm the blighters into being reasonable. But if they persist in their bloody-mindedness, we'll tell them where to get off. Darling, put that on again, will you? He inclined his head towards the diamond tiara which had crowned her golden curls. I want to look at you like that for a moment. She smiled, flattered, and turned to face him. On a sudden impulse, she slipped her blue silk peignoir off her shoulders. 
There she stood, Ganapati, as Britannia had first come to us, naked with outstretched hands, about to place our crown on her head. Drupad took her elegant fingers into his own. How I wish I could present you to all India like this, he said, my jewel in a crown. She laughed and tossed her coiffured head. It might stop them from talking for a while. And then the next words might just be, yes, several times. Drew Vad bent to kiss her hands. You're an essential part of my plans, darling. We've got to charm these humorless fellows into being more accommodating. You're my secret weapon, 